0: is resilient right <laughs> what is resilient <laughs> that, that can't be no reason i mean look even Nicholas just said like a hundred times tigers the best that i've ever seen Would you all just leave me alone stop trying to love <laughs> e suffer up. i, I just want to bring to the vibe a little bit and Welcome back, everybody, to the Big Players Only Podcast, a partner of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. We are the best place to catch up on golf from around the world, including the golf of your favorite big players, Ben, Josh, Tyler, Tully, Colin, and Kenny Oneputt. We'll kick things off with a recap of the Farmers Insurance Open from this past weekend. Matthew Pevon, a Frenchman, takes it down, an up-and-coming player, kind of a trend we've been seeing in these first few weeks. Lots of names you might not recognize taking down PGA Tour titles, but getting it done at Tory Pines is an impressive feat. A pretty good leaderboard. Lots of big names chasing him. Didn't quite get up to the top of the leaderboard, but Torrey Pines is such an iconic golf course, right? Vivid memories of the Tiger woods Rocco Mediate battle from the 2008 U.S. Open. So a really great win for him. We'll talk about whether we think there's a little issue with the winners in the PGA Tour. Some of the stars aren't shining, but we haven't quite gotten to the meat of the schedule and talking about the meat of the schedule, right? This week, we got the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, our second signature event of the year, an 80-man field Filled with the top talent on the PGA Tour, Rory, Scotty, Vic, Shoffley, Cantlay, Finau, you name them, they're probably there. We're expecting a really great week, Spyglass Hill, Pebble Beach. It should be lots of fun, and we got four straight days of the best golfers in the world. We'll chat a little bit about Liv, what's going on with Liv, right? We know John Rom left. He's got his own team now. He's got some new teammates. His team was announced today, so we'll give insight into who's joining him. And we'll get probably some updates on our views on what's going on with PGA and Liv. We know the negotiations have kind of started back up. We'll see if anyone, you know, has some predictions or what we want in the future for the two. And then we'll wrap up the episode with Tippy, a.k.a. Tyler's Top 5, Tippy's Top 5 debuted a few months ago. We never revisited it, but we're going to make it more of a staple, a cornerstone of this podcast. We don't know what he's going to be ranking, but you should expect to get a good chuckle out of it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram and follow us at BigPlayersOnlyPod. Hope you enjoy the episode. So looking back at the Farmers Insurance Open from this past week, it's like, you know, we're, we're not quite into the heat of the, the PGA Tour schedule. We haven't seen a lot of the big names, right? We saw them at the Century, but then we kind of skipped a few events. The American Express wasn't, you know, littered with them. We had a couple in this one, but like the Scotties and the Rorys and the Vicks kind of haven't, they are not been a mainstay quite yet. Uh, But this is always a fun event to watch strictly because Torrey Pines is such an iconic golf course. There's just so many holes that you recognize specifically, right? That par 5 18th is such an iconic one. It's tight. It's got thick rough. You can get it into, but you got to go over that water. It's such a classic finish. And for the guy who won this week, Matthew Pavon, he three-putted 17 from like 40 feet, like a pretty bad three-putt. So he goes into 18 uh, tied because the guy in front of him had just birdied 18, Nikolai Hoygaard, I think, maybe. I'm not sure yet. But... He goes in 18 knowing he needs birdie and makes birdie. Lays up, wedges it to 5, 10 feet, and makes the putt. So, like, a pretty exciting finish. But I think we got to really talk about these winners we've seen so far this year on the PGA Tour. Like, being golf nuts, we know them. We know they're good golfers. And obviously, all these guys out there could just wax us. But we've got a little bit of a star problem right now. These these top players haven't really been shining. I think
1: I think you gave him a lot of credit there saying he laid up on 18. He hit, like, one of the worst fairway bunker shots i've ever seen he <laughs> went like he advanced like 50 feet into the rough and then his third shot was pretty did nuts. he get out of the bunker he, he got out yeah that's a good that's fairway successful. bunker shot. that's a good fairway bunker shot in my book but yeah i mean it, it was interesting that he the way he like faltered down the stretch but then still ended up winning i mean the way he played those last three holes he had to hit like a 20 some foot putt on 16 to to for par so to, to avoid dropping like two in a row and I don't know. It, it the way he like didn't hit the fairway on eighteen. He had that terrible bunker shot. You just thought that this was going to be an all time collapse by someone who like we've never seen, and wouldn't be surprised if he collapsed like
0: that. And we wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if like we never saw him on another leaderboard. Like yeah. just an incredible golfer. But did he have to win
2: before this event at all?
0: I think he's won on DP World a couple times, but this is something like his two hundredth worldwide event. And he's just won like his second or third tournament in the past 12 weeks. So he's kind of like turning it on as a like, late. I don't ever, ever
2: remember seeing this name like in contention before. Like when I checked in and saw he was up there at the Liverpool, I was like, who is this Pavon guy? <laughs> and I just I had no idea anything about this guy.
0: And it could be like one of those names too. If he continues to play well, it could get like a Ryder Cup spot too. You know, that the European team is not terribly deep. We know there's lots of names at the bottom that could kind of be interchanged. So he might be a guy.
1: Well, speaking of he, he had his victory over Hojgaard was the guy who was trying to chase him down there. Nikolai, who was barely made the Ryder Cup last year, so better of the brothers.
0: Comparison. Even though you say Rasmus is
1: better, uh, Rasmus can, <laughs> has has a little more talent. He's, he's streaky, more raw yeah. athletic oh, dude, talent. Nikolai's so much better. Rasmus is getting. He's having. He's shooting like eight under par, or he's going eight over par every round. Nikolai's a little more even keel.
0: So we talked about some of the stars. I'm just going to recap here. Here were the top ten odds going into the week, and here's where they finished. Xander, uh, this is kind of a random order, I guess this is someone's ranking, so I wouldn't say this is the official order, but Xander, top in the rankings, finishes T9, Keegan, who had done really good at this event in the past few years, maybe not normally this high on the power rankings, but he goes T43, Colin Morikawa gets cut, Max Homa T13, Sungjae M cut, Sahith T64, Cantley T65, Jason Day cut, and Minwoo Lee rounding out the top 10, T43, so only one guy in the top 10 out of all those top 10 odds guys. And wow. a lot
1: of those guys, like, made the cut on the number. I know Sahith was battling on Friday because it was pushed up a day, but... Minwoo, um, too. Yeah, Minwoo had to eagle on the eighteenth his 18th hole to make the cut, which is pretty wild.
3: My question here with this group, though, is, like, how many of those are you legitimately considering stars? Like, you know, major faces. I'm looking at it, it's maybe three of them are, like, the, you know, not necessarily golden boy, but the people the PGA are really pushing on people that, you know, the, the face of the the tour kind of situation, like Xander's up there, Homa's up there, Morikawa's up there. Other than that, it's a lot of, you know, maybe some people that used to be on that, but now have kind of fallen off. You know, I don't feel like we really have too much of a
1: problem yet on the PGA Tour, because I don't feel like we've seen most of the stars out there. I was thinking about this with Hatton leaving to live, which I'm sure we're going to talk about Oh, eventually. we will. But, like, it seems like the European, so far, like this year, the European Ryder Cup, the top European players are the ones that are more susceptible to leaving to live at this point like I mean PGA you have Rory and Vic but like most of like these guys that we're talking about maybe it was just who was playing this week but I mean those four guys on the list that you think are that I would consider stars Xander Cantlay Morikawa Homa like those they're all American they're all the American Ryder cuppers right there and is that the way it's going to keep shifting like is is PGA just going to be like top American players and live is going to be mainly the top European players who still are relevant and Fighting for those Ryder Cup spots,
3: maybe. But at the same time, then you see a French guy, and then what? Where is Hoyer's guy from? Uh, Norway. Norway, yeah. that you know, came one and two. Uh, I, I mean, I can see what you're saying, but it feels like it's just going to be a lot of these guys playing wherever they can get a chance to play, and, and especially if you look at Live is theoretically a more limited field in terms of maybe a bigger barrier to entry. I think you're still going to see plenty of Europeans, especially ones that want to be able to get into majors, because there currently isn't still a pathway into majors from live unless you had
0: it prior to going to live. And, you know, maybe it's recency bias. I see where you're coming from, but maybe it's because all the American guys already went, right? DJ Brooks, Bryson, right? Phil, like they just left a while ago and all the recent signings have been European guys, but... I don't know. I mean, think about like your life would change drastically if you're a Max Homa, right? You're playing domestically all year round, and then you have to go first event in Mayakoba, right? And then you're going all over the world. Maybe, yeah, you know, maybe 30% of their events are in the United States, but you know, you make a lot more money, but you got to give up a lot to do that too.
3: Yeah, but I, I don't I don't agree with that point just because they only have what, 13, 15, 20 events? Sounds right. Max. Like, so, you know, it's not, I don't think it has that same kind of effect. I think it's just a matter of there's people that just enjoy their, you know, life here. They don't want to change anything. They're happy. And then you have the guys that are just like, well, I don't want to play golf that much. And I think that's all, it's all going to be just that I think at this point,
1: it'll be interesting to see if this trend keeps up. Like we're talking about where none of these big guys are are winning. I mean, we're only four events into the season so far. And I mean, there's been huge long shots, including an amateur that have won each event so far, but I don't know. We'll see if things kind of regress back to the mean.
0: It's just like yeah, and the stars haven't been maybe the problem, right? You're talking about like the S tier stars, and then you're like A tier stars. The S tier guys, they've only play. they only played in the century, right? And, and then, even then, yeah,
3: Rory wasn't in the right, century. Yeah. And, yeah,
0: exactly. So other than that, right, the last few events haven't included them. But it's like you need with a lot of these big departures to live, you need these guys to step up. The Cantlays, the Sam Burnses, the Homas, the Morikawas. This is their time to shine, right? It's a slightly less competitive field. Now it should be their time to kinda of go and get start racking up wins.
2: Yeah, one of those names you said was interesting to me this week was Cantley. Cantley was seven under after round one. I know. Like, what, what happened to him throughout the tournament? It's like what what was the winner? Twelve?
0: Yeah, like he played the North you're course. you telling so.
2: me you can't get 500 on the last three rounds? <laughs> yeah, understand I understand that they're playing different courses,
0: but still, you're, you're Cantlay. No, I know. And his last, I think it's Saturday, Sunday, were 73-74. So just, and that's kind of like, doesn't that feel like that's kind of always been the story with Cantley though? I don't know. Like, he looks really great, and then he just starts to fizzle. He doesn't play bad. He just fizzles. I don't know what it is.
1: One thing before we leave the um, farmer's insurance coverage here. Did you guys hear about the tattoo that this Pavone guy has on his, like, knuckles
0: oh it's like a full what is it it's like a full sentence isn't it
1: yeah it says it translated the saliva that flows now will become the tears of joy tomorrow this guy's a psychopath. So interpret that how you want.
0: I feel like that means. I feel like that. I think it's misinterpreted for sweat. Sure,
1: saliva and sweat are very different.
0: Uh yes, but maybe not in translation. Guy know. just has a drooling problem. <laughs> guy, yeah. I think I, I can feel. I get the sweat for tear thing. The saliva <laughs> thing might be a little weird, but sweat for tears. But he, really yeah. just, he
3: wanted to be a competitive eater when he was growing up, yeah, so right? Just had to pivot to golf, unfortunately.
0: Nice one. Okay, well let's uh, let's move into the AT T this week. I mean, I think that. I don't know. I think that my views of golf have just, they've generally shifted a little bit. Like these events that aren't signature events anymore, I just got to really check myself at the door because it's just not going to maybe be what I hope it would be. Like there's just something about the PGA tour 10 years ago where like the Houston open would just produce like a really incredible finish and out of nowhere, but maybe we're not going to see that anymore. So these signature events are going to be the absolute Achilles, Achilles heel for the PGA tour. Now, if these guys don't show up and play really good in this event, the PGA tour is going to be looking pretty bleak. So you know, what are you guys looking forward to this week? I mean, Pebble is amazing. It's such a beautiful course. Spyglass is a fun course to watch. And, you know, we're finally getting to see these guys out on the course.
3: I think this is a phenomenal move by the PGA Tour. Like, how they changed it and made Pebble Beach and the AT&T a signature event. And, like, again, taken away from the waste management kind of sucks. But now they're not competing with anything. You know, the football, it's, I guess, is it technically the Pro Bowl weekend now? What? That's just a bunch of games, so it's, it's not going to have nearly the same attention.
0: They could do it on the Super Bowl. I'd actually like that better than the Super Bowl, but this this year.
3: <laughs> but, like, so I think it was a great move by them. You have this <laughs> iconic course that, like, everybody knows. It's One of those courses, like, even people that don't golf have heard the name Pebble Beach. So I think this was a brilliant move by them. And you know you're going to get to see all the the best golfers that we haven't been able to see just play four rounds. You're guaranteed to see these guys and the coverage is going to focus on those big names. Everyone wants to see. I think it was a very smart move to not have to compete and get all their guys in front of it to try to make that push and, you know, combat, you know, everything that's going on with live and the potential, you know, pull away.
0: I think that's maybe the, the clear delineation for me between a no cut live event and a no cut PJ tour event is like, there's still a big grind. Like the reason there's no cut in this event is because they want to give the fans four rounds of guys, no matter what. Even if they're not playing that great in live, it's just like there's just not much glory in winning like these guys are still trying to win very hard on the PJ Tour and if they aren't having a good week, they know they're still out there to entertain the fans, but on the live side it just doesn't feel like there's that grind to win. So, even though this will be very similarly compared to the live events because there's no cut, it's a limited field, it's just so slightly different in my mind.
1: And I like the I, I'm a big fan of the changes that they're making this year to kind of adapt to that no cut limited field event. So, so they're take, they're getting rid of the round that they normally play in Monterey Peninsula. So they're narrowing it down from three courses to two courses, which I think is a great opportunity to highlight Spyglass Hill. Like, it's kind of hard to cover those other two courses with so many golfers spread out around three courses and even just geographically getting all that coverage. But I think now with the limited field, with only two courses, I think we're going to see a lot more Play on Spyglass Hill, and I'm really excited to see that because you kind of hear about how kind of quirky it is. It's really difficult, but, like, I think this year we're really going to have an opportunity to see it live and in person, which I'm excited about.
3: It also feels like a smart move from the sense of I feel like a lot of the time you got so much luck of the draw, especially you have, like, all that fog and stuff that are the marine layer or whatever yeah. that comes in that you can get, depending on which course you got picked on in first, those first three days... You could really just get screwed based off weather, whereas now everyone, for the most part, is going to have to play in the same conditions, especially on that round three, round four situation. I feel like it's almost kind of leveled the playing field while also, you know, giving you the chance to focus in on those other
0: courses. I think three courses is borderline reckless. Like, it's just too much to yeah. comprehend. You don't really know where they are. Like, if you're trying to bet on a winner, like, got, it feels like you have to sit down for an hour to, like, calculate where they are in the round, where they've played, what the net score on that course is, but... Throwing an extra course into the mix is nice, right? And specifically, Spyglass is going to be so much fun to watch. It's it's quirky. It's got blind tee shots. It's got crazy-shaped greens. It's a little on the shorter side. So you know, depending on how fast and hard the greens will run, we'll see some good scores there. Do we know how they're doing
2: it with it being just two courses now? Are they going to throw all 80 off on one course on Thursday and then switch them over to the next course on Friday? Or are they still going to split them?
3: I would assume they do 40 and 40. Yeah, both think- days. I- It'd be like a live event on each course in terms of like the number of players out (laughs) there.
1: Yeah, I was was thinking that it's going to be exactly like it was this past week at Torrey Pines where half play south course Thursday and the other half play north course this week. It'll be half Pebble, half Spyglass, and they'll switch Friday. And then I assume everyone's playing Pebble Saturday and Sunday.
3: Yeah, and I think that'll just be um, your standard. That'll have that based off
0: leaderboard start, I would assume. And when you think about it, too, because there's a couple factors here because it's also a limited field event. This is going to be a pretty tight, quick coverage too, right? All 40 guys are probably going to go off around the same times on both courses on Thursday and Friday. So it's going to be like maybe a seven, eight-hour coverage. It's not like a 12, 13-hour marathon coverage.
3: Which is, again, really smart from them because I feel like every year this course has like a day where they almost don't golf because of the weather. Right. And now it's just you're actually going to be able to get everything done and not have to have the awkward Monday finish and stuff like that. Yep.
1: And because it's West Coast, it'll be prime time. For
3: That'd us, be good yeah, time for yeah, us, yeah.
0: For East Coast. Nice, let's look at these odds a little bit. So, like we said, top 80, it's a it's a signature event. We got all the stars, so we're starting off Rory McIlroy leading out the odds at plus 750, then Scotty at plus 800, so probably co-favorites pretty much in most people's minds. Victor Hovland at plus 1,200, Shawfley at plus 1,600, Spieth coming in fifth at plus 1,800.
3: He's got a great record here at Pebble.
0: Yep, and then over 2,000, anywhere from 2,000 to 3,000 odds. We got Cantlay, Homa, Morikawa, Ober, J.T. Finau, Burns, Fitzpatrick, Fleetwood. I mean, this is—it's just so fun looking down this leaderboard. It's one of those events where it's—you have a little more confidence betting down the leaderboard because you can get a guy like Sung Jam at plus four thousand. You know, the field's deep, but we know Sung Jae can go low. No, I mean it's—it's—it's going to be an interesting
3: one. You know, I think we were talking about it before we started recording. Like Rory's only played here three times, yeah, you know, at, at Pebble specifically. So Spyglass may be a little different, but so like and he, we looked—he missed the cut twice and then great showing of like a top ten at the. US Open however long ago that was so it's, there's it's a, gonna be a wide range it's kind of tough to pick the winner here I went with a little top 20 parlay is the way I went nice give it you to us know, gotta do it my boy Jordan cr- again great tracker, track record here track Max Homa. Ball. Sam Burns, Rory, and Jason Day all finished top 20. A little t- plus 2,600 odds on FanDuel. Nice. It's delightful. Nice. How can you not see that
2: hitting? Except for Jason Day, that was a bad one. I was curious where the uh, Dunlap kid was going to be in the the odds. So it looks like, which is kind of surprising to me, he has the same odds as Ricky Fowler. Yeah. At plus 15,000. I, wow. like, I feel like that's a disservice to Ricky. It's like this kid's won one time on the tour, and then you're getting that's the funny. same odds as Ricky. Well, right so, now. I mean, he has, like, Two less wins in Ricky on tour. That's fair, but a, fair. Lot, a lot less top tens.
0: And even looking down this leader, leaderboard, I, mean, I, really, I really like these condensed formats, right? It's like maybe five, ten years from now, we see like a two-tier approach from the PGA Tour where these non-signature events are like they're meant to get more people in the field, like they're less FedEx Cup points, like kind of like it is now, but it's like maybe it actually has a different name in the off weeks. It's not called like maybe it's called the PGA tour and these actually are called like the PGA tour signature or something. And there's like a big premiere, I don't know, but like there's still names down here, like Kirk Kitayama and Maverick McNeely, but like guys, you know, and guys that have had good success on the PGA tour, they're not nobodies. Now like Nick Dunlap story is amazing and we'll get that every once in a while. But even though this field is still shrunken to 80 people, there's still some really, really talented golfers at the bottom.
3: Speaking of golfers at the bottom and the the field, they do still have, a couple like sponsors exemptions. Have you seen the kind of some of the drama that's surrounding that? So it's like I think it was Peter Malinotti, who's the lowest odds at plus one hundred thousand to win. Webb Simpson at plus fifty thousand. Both of them are like outside of the top two hundred and fifty golfers in the world. Wow. And but they're also on like the PGA tours like board, like the player yeah. board, along with Jordan, uh I forget who the other couple are that were already qualified kind of situation. They're getting a lot of shit for that because like how did How are they the logical selection to get into this?
0: It is, and and I looked at the criteria for how you get into this event. I thought it was going to be a lot more simple. It was going to be, like, either if you won in the past, you know, year or two, and if you were in the top 50, and then if there were people left over, like, you still had open spots, and it just kept going down progressively to, like, maybe the 80th person, if that person were to get in. But no, there's, like, half a dozen exemptions to get in this thing. Like, if you came top five in the Masters or something, like, Mm -hmm. it's it's a lot more... It's similar to, like, getting
3: into a major, like, how many... Thousands of different ways you can get an invite to the Masters. It's the same thing with these signature bands now.
1: I don't. Don't sleep on Malnati though. He played really well here last year. I'm pretty sure he was like one of the last two groups going into Sunday. Like it, he was out there make a lot of birdies. Like
3: obviously he's more, plenty competent, yeah. but it's just more the aspect of there's hundred and fifty golfers ahead of him. Like potentially sure. even like with all like the live and like how they, none of them are getting points. He's still outside the top two fifty. It's just like. I can understand some people being like, all right, how the hell did he get picked over me kind of situation? Yeah, true.
0: He's a good example for, I think, the type of player that plays well here. Jordan plays great here, and I think that him and Malnati have similar games where they're just like sometimes not the most precise players but just have incredible short games. I watched the round with Malnati last year, and I think his first tee shot, he like piped it into the trees and then pitched, you know, they hit like a punch shot up on the green and they made like a 30-footer, right? And then like probably the rest of the front nine, he only hit like two or three greens but got up and down every time and really contended, so... Keep an eye out for that this week. I mean, that's the thing
3: about this course. Like, we, again, talked about a little bit before the podcast. The greens are so small. What is it? They show the shared green at um, St. Andrews that the first 13 greens at Pebble can all fit on or something like that. It's outrageous. It's, like, they're so small in comparison to, you know, other courses, other major championship courses. So it's going to be a lot of that, you know, around the greens, chipping, recovery shots that, you know, come into play here, which is probably why, you know. In addition to everything else, you see Scotty up there in the top of the odds because he, he's got one of those best recovery games we've seen. Long too, time.
0: and he's just a green hitting machine yeah. too, yep.
1: What are the odds of my guy posting? Because I said last week he was going to win his signature event. I feel like this is a good one yeah. with his short game.
0: I got him around plus 7,000. Not terrible odds. Hmm. Right. And it's a course that would fit him. I, I, would like, I like the way he fits here. Yeah, good short game, good putting, a little wild off the tee. But the rough around here is not super penal. It's just... It's a little more penal you know, because the greens are so small, right. right? You can get out of it, but you got to play your 5, <clears throat> five, ten, five, ten yards short of the green and run it up. Yep.
1: I think t- I saw Tom Hoagie on that list too, pretty far down. He's a past champion here. I think he could, he could go out there and make a lot of birdies. It's
3: kind of like it feels a little disrespectful. Grayson Murray, who just won to be at plus 40,000. <laughs> like, I get it. He has not had a, you know, a notable career, but literally won, what, two weeks ago?
0: <laughs> yeah. He's a good, maybe he's a good one to trend for like a top 20, too. Yeah. Probably not winning, but. With that long odds to win his top 10, top his 20 top odds are probably a good years, Even
3: top 40, I bet you it's still plus. To make the cut.
0: <laughs> Take Grayson Murray to make the cut.
3: Oh, Maverick, Media. that was the other guy that was the sponsor exemption. He's a California boy, too, so he's an interesting one-to-one. 20,000.
0: Nice, all right. Well, let's uh, let's chat about what's going on with Liv, right? So we know John Rahm left. He created his own team. We found out that the name of that team, I think this was released a couple of weeks ago, but it's called Legion 13, which has something to do with Julius Caesar's army and it was honestly I
3: just the 13th team what happened to the fireballs
0: dude i don't know I, john rom's press conference talking about why he picked legion 13 it was just like it was gag worthy like dude like you can have any intrinsic value and in you want in it but you're overselling this thing like crazy right now but uh we now know that joining him is going to be Tyrrell hatton which i think is a pretty i mean rom's a huge loss for the pga tour but hatton is one of those guys that his golf is great but you also think about the character he brought to the pga tour and while he wasn't everyone's like you know, not everyone was his fan, but God, he's iconic, right? he starts throwing clubs, he starts cursing. Like eyes, eyeballs go to the TV when Tirol Hatton's playing. I think it's a pretty big loss for the PGA Tour.
3: It is, but now you're kind of starting to of think like Sergio was the other guy that was like that, and yep. Tirol over there. It just seems like you know. TJ tour has always been that buttoned up sort yeah, of place. Like, like he, he was kind now. of shamed, probably got fined for that kind That's of funny. stuff. And there lives like, yeah, we don't give a fuck what you do over there. Go, you ahead. start cursing, you start sure. acting up, yeah. you go straight to live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that like <laughs> there there may be something to it. Like you know, again, like some of the bigger characters should be in like, yeah, I'll go. Cause a ruckus over there, live but or golf but louder. I'll go make 70
1: mil. Yeah, <laughs> that's
3: the, so good. The
2: Hatton thing's funny to me because if you think, I don't know, six months, a year ago, Hatton goes over there, he's one of the top five guys. He's getting Making the, cap, so he's getting the captaincy, he's doing this, and now he's playing second fiddle to Ron. I mean, you're you barely even thinking about Hatton being being the number two guy on I the know. team. I just, That's just
3: wild to me. It was a smart business decision because assuming Ron is just going to maintain the elite status that he has been they will just carry him to millions of dollars oh, yeah. the, during the regular season. That's true. Speaking of that, who are these other? Do you have any idea who these other people are? I've never heard these names. Caleb Surratt and Kieran Vincent. Yeah, you so, ever heard of them?
0: Yeah, Vincent is a he's like from Zimbabwe or something like that. I've just known him pretty much from the Live tour. You guys grew up together? No, he's a white kid from Zimbabwe. <laughs> so it's just like to paint the picture for you, but he's a little I don't know. He's like an Asian tour player, like kind of. I've seen him a few times, but known known him for Live. He's played okay on Live, and then this Caleb Surratt kid that's actually joining John Rahm, he won the SEC championship this past year in college, played at Tennessee, played really good on the Junior Ryder Cup team, which I, the Walker Cup team is what it's called. So that kid's, I mean, it's like, but it's another one of those stories of those kids coming out of college, going to live in like... I, James Piatta. Right, whatever. wish him success, but it's like we still haven't seen yet anyone out of college have success over there yet. Yeah,
3: I mean, its uh, I was expecting, and obviously I feel like we saw a lot of Greg Norman talk, which you got to take everything with a grain of salt, and it yeah, comes right. out of his mouth. But it was all, oh, there's going to be 10, 15, 20 guys that are trying to come here. Like, you know. And I expected there to be at least some more notable name that, you know, as pretty regular golf fans here beyond Ben, who's a golf psycho, uh, like would at least recognize. And it was just like very underwhelming, yeah, kind they, of a big flop. They
0: definitely didn't check the box here. Yeah, And I feel like, too, the look. It, it feels like a maybe like, it's it's like an inherent issue with Liv is because their fields are so small. It's like they actually can't harbor that many great players. Like they're gonna have to eventually push people out to bring people in. And there's a lot of dead weight on Liv still. Like they're not fully built out is with. Chase Capka still there? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think he think probably so. got relegated. I think he, but got, I think he got cut. But I think that that's probably a flaw for them is like they can't actually maintain a huge star base because they're going to have to start relegating players and it's going to look different. That's what I
2: was about to say with the whole European influence Colin was talking about. Just introduce the relegation system and just keep everybody turning in and out. Speaking of that, the logo for
3: his team, very uh, Premier League esque kind of
0: vibes. I was is it like a wolf? That. I think it's a lion. A lion. I think it's a lion. There's like extra little shapes in there. I thought were maybe like some subliminal message. I was like turning my phone sideways, but I couldn't see anything. But I bet it's there. There's I like a, little, see a duck. There's like a, a duck. I think I saw a duck too. <laughs> oh. I don't know who came up with the logo.
1: The other person we haven't mentioned yet is that has gone to live in the past couple weeks. Is Adrian Moronk. I mean, honestly, I'm really not surprised by him. I He's gotten the short end of the stick a lot he got ever since the so Ryder Cup selections. Like he's probably just like, okay, you know what? I'm done. I'm I'm going to live. I'm making my money. Like no one really respects my game anyway. Even though he finished like really, I think he was like second or third behind Rory at one of those Dubai events a couple weeks ago. Like yep. he, he's playing really well. He has been for, for a long time, and I hope he goes over there and makes a ton of money because he really hasn't gotten any respect of the past couple months.
0: Like him and like Harold Varner, right? Just examples for me that like guys that. Absolutely. Ship it off to live, dude. You haven't gotten the respect you deserve. You you haven't gotten into the major championships. You haven't gotten on Ryder Cup teams. Like, I think Maronk won the event before the Ryder Cup, and then Rob McIntyre was still chosen over him. And like, Rob had like a below average Ryder Cup, I would say. But yeah, Maronk going, not surprised at all.
3: Now, speaking of all, all the going, did you guys see Rory's comments today about the returning? He was saying like I don't think there should be any punch. Let him back. Let him come back. They want to like just vary and like obviously he's already come out and like said I've changed my tune on stuff. I know
1: more now. Whatever, but that is a I feel like
3: a very drastic turn. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: I just feel like he know he he either knows something or he's just like kind of what we're all expecting. The fact that it's that everything's going to merge at some point. So like. Kind of can't say, like, oh, they'll never be back in because I, I mean, if a deal is made, they'll all just be playing in the same events again in a couple of months.
0: I think so. I mean, I don't know. It's annoying. Rory changing his opinion. Like, it feels flip floppy. And half the time, it feels like Rory doesn't even need to comment on this shit, but he mm-hmm. still continues to. Whatever. It just, it is what it is. He has a voice. He's using it. But it's like, For me, I think that there will end up being that live and PGA will come together. And I think, I'm not sure how the framework looks like, you know, one tours different or making golf more global, but like, I still don't think I'll ever forgive the guys that went to live to start because I think that they probably underestimated how much this could actually fracture golf. And I think it ended up, it ended up like, it feels like D day right now. Like it feels like golf. If they don't come to an agreement, it will not continue to be the elite sport it is. So even though, like, I respect them going for the money, like it's a personal choice. Do what you got to do. I think go, looking back on it, I think these people will be viewed as like they could have completely broken the game. I'm not, I'm not gonna,
1: I'm not gonna root for them. Like, if everything like those guys are not gonna be at the top of my list. Like, if anyone else that stayed on the PGA Tour is competing with them like week to week, then that's what I'm gonna be rooting for. I cannot, I will not be rooting for any live player that comes back and starts playing on tour again.
0: I mean, long story short is like they win. Yeah, they do. They got all their money. They're going to end up back on the PGA tour. So I guess they did win. They won the battle, but I don't know if like long term they they win the war. And that's just probably for me as like a more passionate golf fan. Because at the end of the day, they'll probably all be back together. There won't be any asterisks on their name in the in the record books other than they probably missed out on a year or two of majors that they hadn't already qualified. And it'll all look the same. But I just th- didn't appreciate how it really could have changed golf forever.
3: Is there any vision for golf for either of you that? you know, after all the merger and whatever new potential format comes out that you could see, like, man, those guys did a great thing. Like, in the history books, we'll phrase it, like, in a whole different way. Like, I mean, the NFL, the AFC, NFC, that was a merger sort of situation. They were competing and always fighting for, like, dominance and came together. Now we have the NFL, Super Bowl's the biggest, one of the biggest sporting events in the world. Is there any version of, you know, professional golf that you could see that you'd be like, man, I'm really glad those guys did that live thing
0: I don't feel like for me, but I know a lot of people that it will change the golf world for them, mostly international, right? The PGA Tour had just not been engaging Asian and Australian and African and South American golf. And I think that that was a big blinder for them. I don't know. Maybe there's just not that much money in it. I have to assume there is. People play golf all around the world, and I'm surprised they never took that leap. For me, golf will be the same. We'll still have the stars, but they'll probably have a major in Australia, and that will be huge for them.
1: For me, it's the whole like Saudi Arabian influence rubs me the wrong way, like to start with. But it's not like uh, these guys can say it all they want that oh they're going to live because it's like different. It's something like in, it's injecting like excitement into the game of golf. They can spin it however they want. Like they're going because they're getting paid a ton of money to go. Like that's the reason. They're not going for any like higher power. And like I just got done saying like good for you, Maron. Go get your money. Good for you, Harold Varner, like go get the money. Like but. Don't, don't like, go take the money and then stand up there at a press conference and say, like, oh, it's it's growing the game. It's what's good for the game. Like, I don't, just don't see that. I don't think that we're ever going to, like, look back on this and say, like, yeah, it was really great what they did. They really paved the way for, for a better golf environment.
2: Yeah, I don't know if we're paving the way for a better golf environment, but... I think me looking at it is you've got so many people that are now talking about golf that wouldn't have been talking about golf if the PGA Tour stayed the way it was. It was becoming kind of stagnant. Um, you got your you got everybody who loves golf, it's like hey, got my four majors, got all my PGA events. This is great, but there's just been so many more eyes on it, just talking about it. You just you see them talking about it on Sports Center more often. You hear them talking in the office about just people. You're not even surprised. What what's that? What's that other new golf league they're doing now? It's, yeah, it's been painful kind of watching some of these guys go in the whole process, but ultimately I think you just got so many more eyes on the game, and it's just going to continue to grow. We'll figure out all these details, but I think it will get better.
3: In my opinion, like, we just got done talking about the AT&T and how, like, we kind of like this limited field, this no-cut with all the big guys. Like That is 100% strictly coming from the whole live situation. Yep, true. And if we get more of those kind of events that you get to see those, I don't see how you can't say, like, to some extent, like, I'm a little happy with... What came from the whole live thing post merger when you get those guys back? Yeah, it still feels grimy, whatever. But in terms of the product for the you know the fans, if it ends up being better and in the grand scheme of things n- nothing really changes, it's kind of hard not be at least not hold a grudge towards these guys that end up at the end potentially providing a better fan quality experience.
0: Yeah, I definitely don't ignore the idea that there's like a Wizard of Oz behind a curtain that literally saw this all playing out Illuminati. the exact way it did. Right, like it was just an, an extremely large and painful marketing stunt because it very well could have been.
3: I heard Taylor Swift's actually gonna start dating Jay Monahan <laughs> soon and it's gonna be
0: wild. And we'll start making jerseys. Yeah, let's say Swift. Yeah, exactly. No, but I mean I think that doesn't that, that idea is very valid to me that this whole thing was just started to kind of give golf that ignition to grow it to be a you know, a way bigger and more financially stable and profitable game because it's worked, right? Golf is being talked about way more than it used to. Like golf is changing, right? Simulator golf and top golf and live golf and TGL golf, right? So I I don't know. I mean I hate it. It I was think TGL super, golf's already dead. It was super <laughs> painful for me and it still will be because I, I was worried that it wouldn't work out, but I think that it might have just been a big marketing stunt. And it's working. All right. So we'll see what happens with Live. We'll see. We'll keep you up to date on any updates, but uh Let's go ahead and close this out. So I wanted to say that uh, we, we introed this as Tippy's Top 5, and we haven't used it in a few months. It's uh, When we first premiered it, right? Our, our servers just couldn't handle like all the listens, but we've <laughs> since upgraded our servers, so we're going to give it another try. So Tippy, Top 5, what are we ranking? Give it to us.
2: All right, in this edition of Tippy Time, we are going to be looking at the it, – it's, it's, it's a little interesting way to look at it, but it's Top 5 songs that you want to hear on the course, whether Ooh, that's on the T-Box nice. – whether that's driving up to a hole, whether that's your first hole of the day and you got a walk-up song coming up to the tee box, it's Tippy's top five songs on the course. So number five, we have, I'll say, performed to this song before at uh, one of the... At the uh, club. <laughs> Not at the club. This, this one doesn't get played at the club, but this was at one of the uh, scrambles we played in. All four of us teed off at Ooh. the same exact time, synced up perfectly to Fire Away. Oh, so nice. Yeah, Stapleton. A little Stapleton. So okay. When you just see it, you can see us all trying to play. It's like, three, Fire two, one. Away! <laughs> and you just hear, pew, pew, pew. And all these balls drive a little par four, just pepper in the green, I'm sure. That's great. So, so that that one, to me, is number five on the list.
0: I didn't um, expect any country to make it on this list. Maybe we'll have more. Go on. That's, that's one, is, a, that's a that's great list. It's not like... all
2: hype. It's not all <laughs> hype songs. It's just songs you want to hear. That's one of the, you're literally just playing it for like, 30 seconds. Oh, yep. yeah. It was it was tough to get to that spot, but once it hit, it, it, it was golden. Number four on Tippy's top five for songs to hear on the course. This one for me is a hype song that I would love to hear as I'm walking to the tee for the first week of League, just to get in Colin's head even more. <laughs> is Fireman by Lil Wayne. Nice. You just hear me walking up to the tee. everyone's looking around, like who's this new guy? You just hear. A fireman
0: coming! <laughs> bam, 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 bam. Colin I just walk instantly in. just falls to his knees. Flames
2: going up. <laughs> Got those like flamethrowers on the side of the tee box, just shooting up in the air. Oh, so this is a live golf league. <laughs> it's, it's, it could be. meet your maker. That one would get me fired up. It just, it just go with that. That's a great one. The, the next is a throwback. I think you see this more um, maybe towards football games. And this is this one is I'm driving up to a hole. It was the first hole day, maybe a scramble. You're there with your partner trying to get hyped up, and you're just there. We ready. <laughs> nice one. We, we ready. ready. So you, you're telling me if you're driving up to that first tee a scramble and you hear that, you just kind of look at your partner in the car and your head starts slowly bobbing. <laughs> 20 under, and, 21 under, what yeah. are you feeling? So that that's, that's number three for me. Number two on the list. This is a flashback to probably a top three movie that I've Ooh. In my life, oh, no, so it's school. not from Drumline. No, this one. <laughs> this would is, say number one. <laughs> number one. This this one is probably a close second. It's a throwback to Hardball, starting our boy counting. Oh, age. I love it when you call me Big, Big, Big Papa. Oh, nice. so, so that's that's first. tee just hear that your, your vibes are going. You got a double transfusion in your ah, hand. Yes. you sit that down on the ground on the tee box, and you just Ugh. pipe one. And you turn around and say, yeah, that's Big Papa right there, Biggie. <laughs> Biggie in the top five. Love it. All right, and then the last one, big one, big one here. The last one, I'm thinking, you're at the golf trip. You've got all 16 guys. Probably just got you're done getting your picture taken by the starter. You're having a good time. Into there, this is another flashback for some of us, uh, going back to our baseball warm up mixtape. Good Day do it. by Nappy Roots. Nice one. On. Gonna have a good day. And oh, hey, then everyone's sunshine. looking smiling. Everyone, yeah. Everyone's walking through their carts, putting their 12-pack of beers dripping from the bag that's into great. the back of the cart. Good Day gets the juices It's flowing. sunny. That's You're a little one. hungover. Oh, that just yeah, gets baby. the mood right. So that's Tippy's top five songs you got to hear on the golf course.
0: Oh, I can't wait to make this a segment every <laughs> week. That was a good one, too. That was
2: a good one. Very good one. Much better than Ben's top five Purcell baby names.
0: <laughs> we'll do that next week. All right, everyone. That does it for us tonight. Thanks for listening. If you haven't yet, Head on over to Instagram and follow us at Big Players Only Pod, and we'll see you next time.